What up? This is Drex One, and this is the History of the Bay podcast. In the building, we got Rocky behind the lens, King Said behind the lens, D.O. on the board, Skeeno on the cut. And today, we got a legend, somebody I grew up listening to. I'm excited he's here, at Capone from Totally Insane. What's, What's up, up, man? What's up, man? How y'all doing? All right, brother. Thanks for being here, man. Man, I'm a big fan of the show. All oh, right, on, big right fan on, of the right show. on, right watching. on. This is an important part of the history. Yeah. I'm ready to jump right into it. Uh, East Palo Alto. What's up, Rogue? Hey, <laughs> what's up, Rob? <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you tell us what that was like uh, growing up out there, man? Uh, man, shit, back in the days, it was beautiful, man. You know, it was a, a little more Afrocentric back in, like, the 70s, early 80s. You know, we had the, well, from the 60s to, the, like, the early 80s, they had the Nairobi Village out there. It was, like, mm-hmm. kind of like uh, um, over, if, if any of y'all familiar with East Palo Alto, it's an area called The Village, and right before you turn into the village, they had a whole little section over there where they had like a amphitheater, like kind of outdoor little uh, park type thing out there where they used to perform. James Brown came to perform. Mm. Parliament Funkadelic came performed in the, like the 70s. So, you know, um, me grow, growing up before the crack era, it was like, like more Afrocentric. Uh, you know, we was riding our bikes in the neighborhood. We was playing. We was out playing tag football and all the shit. And then like... Toward the mid mid eighties, when the crack epidemic really hit bad, mm-hmm. it kind of switched because it was kind of got a little dangerous, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who who raised you primarily? Uh, my mom, um, my mother. Uh, I grew up in. I was born in Stanford Hospital, so I'm from the soil for real. From Stanford Hospital straight to Alberni Block. I grew up in the same house my mom grew up in. You know, my grandmother had it. Bought it like back in 1956. My mom was born in like 57, so. You know, we had that house, <clears throat> that house was in our family for, man, until we sold it in, like, 2000, mm-hmm. for like, damn near 50 years. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, um, I just, you know, I grew up on Alberni, in the same house my mom grew up in. My mom, my, my dad and my, my mom had me, like, in high school. They was young. I think they was, like, 16. Um, and, uh, you know, they lasted, they stayed together for a few years. They broke up um, when I was about... Six years old, my dad had a car accident, and uh, people he got paralyzed, quadriplegic. So he's been paralyzed for like forty some years now. Mm. And uh, I was, but back to your question, I was primarily raised by my mom. Did you have like big homies in your in your area that were looking out for you, or was it just you and a bunch of other kids like figuring it out? Oh uh, well, fortunately, from it was uh, my mom grew up in that neighborhood, but so did a lot of my other homies. A lot of my other homeboys' mothers and fam grew up in the same neighborhood, so we all kind of grew up together. Right. All went to the same schools. You know, we played outside together. Our mothers knew each other, so it was cool to spend the night over each other's house. Mm-hmm. So I got a, a group of homies that have been my homies since birth, you know. That, yeah, yeah. And we still cool to this very day. So yeah. So real close-knit, uh, uh, community-raised, like, you know, village Every you know the village raised the kids. Yeah, everybody look out for each other, and like I said, we can spend it, spend the night at each other's house, and all I gotta do check in. Hey, I'm down the street at, I'm cross street at Kiki house, or yeah, I'm down yeah. the street at Eddie Pratnam house, or right. you know, and it was cool. Yeah, we were saying that a little bit off camera that, you know, whenever I go to EPA, it definitely feels like a real tight knit yeah. community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what was uh, the music scene like? Before you yourself started getting into it, like, what was your introduction to hip-hop, either locally or just what you were seeing from the outside? Well, from the outside, um, 
you know, I'm heavily, I've been heavily into music my whole life. My mom was heavily into music, so <clears throat> I had all the old school records, all the Motown shit and all the shit she listened to, Parliament, Funkadelic, and that, once I got into rap, that really helped me out. But before that, um, of course, I was influenced by the Ice Tees and the Two Shirts. Two Shirt was, was like, made me realize that it's attainable, like. Yeah. Because at first all you hear was New York rappers. Right. Then Ice-T and them niggas came, and then you heard L.A. rappers. And it wasn't, and then Too Short was the first cat to really, really represent the Bay, like, bow, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And I really look up to Too Short a lot still to this day. And um, he just made me realize that it was, I was, it was capable, I was, I could do it too, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, as far as East Palo Alto, it was a few cats that had uh, records out uh, before us. Parts Unknown, I think they was the first cats to come out with a, a, a record or album. I think it was an EP or something. I think that came out in like 88, 89. Parts Unknown, shout out to Parts Unknown. Um, and then uh, Prozac, Seafone, Rated X. Uh, they started uh, going to the studio and start dropping, uh, you know, demo singles and um, came out with an album. Uh, they was on the radio and shit. Uh, and from that spawn Sean T, and from that spawn Chunk. Mm. Shout out to my homie Chunk. Um, me and Chunk have been rapping together since we was kids. You know, we used to walk the ride bikes to each other's house. We used to, after school, go over to Sean T house, record in the garage before his moms came home. Um, and um, uh, yeah, and what happened was I went to I caught a case, a juvenile case. I went to jail. And while I was gone, Chunk recorded the Minutes to the Game album. And I was uh my mom came to visit me on a like a a, a visit on the weekend, and you was able to go out, sit outside, and they give you you can have, bring your little boom box and listen to music and shit. And she brought Chunk's album up there and I she played that shit for me and I was like, wow, like fuck, you know. And that was our dream since we was kids to go to the studio and record an album and, you know, put it out and have it in the store, have it on the shelf, and that yeah. nigga did it. So yeah, it was yeah. like, I was like, shh. Yeah, that 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 sparked a fire for me. Yeah. Because as soon as I came home, it was on the cracking. That's dope. Yeah. I mean, going back to Too Short real quick, because mm-hmm. um, that's one of my influences was, like, everybody from the Bay. Yeah. But from, the, you know, the thing about him is that he was pretty much there at, like, the beginning of hip-hop. Right. And he's you know, the beginning of Bay Area hip-hop. Right. When you first heard Too Short, did you, like, automatically recognize or, like, relate oh, to, yeah. to what he was saying compared to some of the other artists that you mentioned, like Ice-T and, you know? Yeah. Um, the first time I saw Too Short, the first time I got introduced to Too Short was on Home Turf. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. TV show, Tom Home Turf. Dominique the Prima. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> he was on there, and I think I think they was playing one of his songs. He was freestyling or something, and... The words that he was saying, I was like, damn, that's some shit that, you know, yeah. that's some bass shit, or that's some yeah, shit that yeah. I'm familiar with. That's a language I'm familiar with. Right. The way he rapping in the style of rap was like, oh, shit, that sound like some shit niggas be doing on the block out here, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. And the music itself, it sounded like some different shit. It didn't sound like some N.W.A. It didn't sound like uh, Ice-T and Ice Cube and them. He had his own little sound of music. Yeah. And it was it, it fit the bass, that, that hard bass, laid back. Play a pimp type shit, you know? right? Right. Because you know, Oakland is where the pimping originated. So, right. We had the pimp culture since like the seventies. We, right. you know, so yeah, he came with that pimp music and yeah, he represented the Bay correctly. Do you know of him ever pulling up to EPA and slinging tapes? 
Because I know he was making his rounds back in those days. He used to press his shit behind my house at Music Annex. Wow. They used to press his shit. And they used to throw all the defective ones in the garbage can. Uh, we used to hit the film. When Born the Mac came out, yeah. boy, <laughs> we'd dump, dumpster dive, yeah. get all the defective ones, go in and fix the motherfuckers, and be slanging them bitches. <laughs> That's true. Shout out to T-Shirt, man. I hope you go platinum. Oh, another story. I used to go, I used my, my little brother and sister moved out to Alabama. Shout out to my little bro, Cheryl, Alan, and Alicia. Uh, they moved out to Alabama. And one summer I took, I had a 120-minute tape. On one side, it had Too Short, Born to Mac, and the other side, it had Straight Outta Compton on that motherfucker. Mm. And they wasn't they wasn't on that shit. Yeah. They didn't know what the fuck that shit was. Yeah, yeah. Well, my cousin, my older cousin Larry, had an old school, one of them Cutlass Delta 88s, mm -hmm. with a hella slap in the back. I think he had a house speaker or something in the back. <laughs> <laughs> that shit was slapping, though. And I let him slap that Too Short. He was like, man, I got to get a copy of this mm -hmm. shit. Yeah. I ain't never heard no shit like this before. Yeah. Yeah. So show you might owe me some money. I hope you go platinum in Alabama. <laughs> that's something that's come up before on this <clears throat> on this podcast. Just you, to talk about the history of the Bay, like tapes and dubbing tapes and recording tapes and just passing them around organically is a big is a big way of how the music got started. Yeah, and it's a trip that you mentioned that the manufacturer was right behind your house. Yeah, that was a trip. Spice One. Yeah, uh, Spice One got plaques over there. Uh, they got Born to Mac plaques on the wall. Cause mm -hmm. I, eventually. As I started getting into music, I started recording there. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say, because that's the thing about um, being in the Peninsula area. It's a lot of those manufacturers yeah. out there, like pressing plants, yeah. printers. Like, I just picked up some stickers yesterday from Redwood City. Yeah. That's where a lot of those spots yeah, are. Yeah, right. right San Mateo, Redwood City. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, so it sounds like you, and from what I understand, too, like you pretty much got into music, rapping, writing raps, like right away. Like, in school. Yeah, 10 years old. 10 years old. Yeah. Damn. It was a record that used to come on the radio called Roxanne, Roxanne by UTFO. Yeah. Uh, and that shit was amazing. It was like, wow, these niggas is, it's like a, it's like a musical movie they print, they printing. They coming from an aspect of three different dudes trying to get at the same chick. Yeah. And they getting at her from a different aspect. The first dude was on that pimp gangster type shit. This, the middle dude, educated rapper, was on that, you know, that educated big word type shit. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the last cat was on that. He was a doctor, so he was, like, breaking down medical terminologies and all kind of... And it was just it just blew my mind, like, damn, that shit is amazing. So I took this song. My mom went and bought me the song, and on the back of the record, they had the instrumental. Mm. And once I learned they song word by word, I flipped the instrumental and started implementing my own words mm -hmm. into it. And that's how I learned how to uh, come up with verses. Yeah. Know? Yeah. And verses into a song format. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, and that was at 10 years old. That was like 1984. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think people understand, especially now, like everybody thinks they can rap and there's so many rappers, but <laughs> you do have to have some type of natural talent. Yeah, definitely. To do this. Definitely. And for you to do this at 10 years old, it's like obviously that's in your nature. Yeah, definitely. And I, you know, like I said, I had, my, <clears throat> I had a younger mom, so she used to take me to all the concerts. Mm. And when, Shit, at that time with Run DMC and the Fat Boys was coming to town, she always took took me to the concerts and let me see it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. LL Cool J and whoever, you know, during the years. She yeah, just, yeah. As long as I did good in school, nigga, you want them, you want them concert tickets? Nigga, yeah, better, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you better pick that science right, grade up right. if you want them LL tickets for right. it. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what, 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 are the, what are the artists that influence your style? Because your style is like, when I hear your, your music, it's very laid back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
it kind of bounces to the beat a little bit. You know, yeah. it feels very hip hop. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who, who, who was your early influences in terms of rapping in your style? Um, in my style, well, two of my biggest rap influences ever is LL Cool J and Ice Cube. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up during the LL era where that nigga was the king, smashing, know? yeah, smashing yeah. shit, and uh, and then it transitioned into NWA. And then Ice Cube left the group, and he became the mighty Ice Cube. Right. And it was just at a, at a time when I was growing into the shit myself from 10 to 14. It was like, oh, my God. Yeah. This nigga left the group. Oh, no, he came solo. So it was like. Right. Uh, so those are two of my biggest musical influences. I kind of got my my storytelling kind of from Ice Cube, the way he liked to tell stories and yeah. like to detail shit and make you, draw you in and let you listen to it, let you really hear it. Um. Who else? I'm sure Too Short probably is, is a big influence on that too, that slow, you know what I'm saying, Bay Area, I want you to hear every fucking word yeah, I'm saying type. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the storytelling is something I hear a lot in, in Totally Insane Records. Yeah. Very detailed. Yeah. It's like start to beginning, middle end, start to finish type yeah. of stories. And, 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 and yeah, and Mac 10 being in the group with Mac 10 was a big influence too because we used to get together and sit down, and his imagination is so vivid. I used to just feed off him sometimes, like, damn. Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And y'all met in school. Too, yeah, we right? met. We've been <clears throat> we've been best friends since, like, kindergarten. That's dope. We went to, like, the same kindergarten and shit, and instantly became cool. And as we grew into the music thing, we both, like, you know, got into music around the same time. Yeah. And like I said, I used to go to his house or Chunk House and Scoot House even, and we used to just sit down and write rhymes and... You know, a lot of their parents wasn't really into that shit. You know, a lot of their parents didn't were older, it. right? Yeah. My mom understood it. Interesting. So they used to come to my house, and moms would let us go in the room and do our shit, and yeah, start helping us with talent shows and shit, and yeah, yeah. That's something I was gonna ask because I re- I recall well, you rapped about it winning yeah. winning talent show. Yeah, was that with you and Mac and um, some other cats? Well, shit, we didn't even get to win it. They shot that shit up before we could win. It. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, well, what happened? <laughs> I, I told this story on uh, one of my other boy shit. Uh, back then, C-Funk, Prozac, and C-Funk and Rated X was the shit. Mm-hmm. It was the hardest shit out of East Palo Alto. They, had, they, they, they was recording songs. They was on the radio. They had their stage shit together. And they was, before that, prior to that, they was winning all the talent shows. We was younger than them, so we was kind of like trying to get our shit together, trying to compete with them. Was, those are the guys that we was trying to beat. And, uh, 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 Yes, yeah, uh, they was the guys to be, man. So we just kind of like, uh, we just kept working at it, kept working at it, Miss East. Oh, let, yeah, that's where the point I was trying to get to. We had an English teacher named Miss East, and uh, after school, she used to let us come in her class and practice our shit. And, uh, you know, she had pianos and shit in there, she had microphones, and she used to get the keys to the gymnasium, let us go on stage and practice our stage show and shit. And she helped us groom to get better. And at the the talent show, I mentioned that on uh, I Don't Even Trip, I believe. Yeah. The night of that talent show, we was ready. We had our shit together. We had our outfits together. We was ready. This is going to be our night to take mm-hmm. the trophy tonight. And right while we was performing, some, it was a fight in the crowd, and a motherfucker started shooting up in there and shut the shit down. That's wild. Yeah. So This was high school. This was before high school. This, this was like, middle school. This was middle school. This was junior high. It's yeah. pretty wild, man. This this is like maybe freshman year high school. Yeah. Or right be- that summer in between there. 
That's really cool that your English teacher. So I mean, it sounds like you have some supportive adults, like your mom, yeah. your teacher. Yeah, definitely, it sounds like they actually like because that's a really early age to start right. when right. you start cultivating that talent so early, yeah. and you got people that support you and help you believe you can do it. Yeah. That that helps makes it possible. Yeah. So I but at this point, y'all y'all are not a group. You're a different group, right? Yeah. Well, at that time, <clears throat> it was just the cats at my school. We put together like a little clique of all the cats that rap called KOD, mm -hmm. Kings of Death, you yeah. know, like Def Jam. You yeah. Know? Uh, and just some cats that we went to school with that lived in the neighborhood that thought they could rap and was into the same shit, you know. Because either back in those days, if you was either a rapper, you was an athlete, or you was a drug dealer. Yeah. And that that was the clique that you hung with. The yeah, athletes yeah, yeah. hung with the athletes. Right. The rappers hung with the right. rapper clique, and the, right. the D-boys hung with the D-boys. Right. And then you had cats that could mingle within all, you know. Yeah. I was kind of one of those cats that could mingle within all of them, you know, but music was my love at the time, you know what I'm saying? I wasn't even really thinking about drugs at the time, you know what yeah. I'm saying? I was into the music, because that's where I was trying to get to. Right. Um. And then, uh, so going into high school, like maybe yeah probably like my freshman year coming from middle school because our middle school was cracking Ravenswood Middle School was like <laughs> like famous like a high school like you know what I'm saying mm -hmm. um, so going into high school um, oh so right after that talent show that was like I say the summertime the next I was going into high school that next right after that after the summertime was over one day I was getting off the bus and um, this was like maybe a couple months after the talent show too I was getting off the school bus and um, I was walking, you know, I used to have to walk down, get off the bus stop, didn't walk to my house. It was like maybe a block over, you know what I'm saying? And uh, Mike Washington, Mike D, was like one of the biggest ballers in the town at the time. He was outside washing his car. And uh, I was walking past, had my backpack on and shit. And he was like, hey, 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 come here, bro. Let me holler at you. They flagged me down. I walked over to him. He was like, man, I seen y'all was at the talent show the other night, man. Y'all was rocking that motherfucker, mm -hmm. man. Y'all probably was finna win that shit, man. Y'all, you know, because we got like halfway through our performance, then the shit cop popped off. Right, okay. He was like, man, y'all sounding good, boy. Uh, he was like, um, what you gonna do now, man? You know, you ain't, uh, why you ain't putting no uh, tapes out or nothing? I was like, well, shit, I really don't know what to do. You know, I've been recording. My boy Jabo had a little four-track studio at his house. He's let us come over and rock, you know what I'm saying, and just lay some shit down over some James Brown instrumentals or something. I was like, well, you know, I've been recording a little demos and shit. I slid him in a little demo, and uh, he liked one of the songs on the demo. And the next time I got at him, I gave him the little demo and shit. I got my backpack, gave him the little tape. I smiled back to the house and shit. The next day when I got off the bus and was walking by, he was playing my shit. Mm. He was bumping my shit. I had the little James Brown little... Uh, uh, the, uh, not the big payback, but uh, play the boss to be the boss. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was on there just just riding the beat. Yeah. Uh, kind of like Kiss No Ass Styles, riding yeah, the beat. Yeah. And he was like, man, hey, that shit kind of go hard right there. He was like, uh, man, uh, I tell you what, homie, I want you find out uh, where the recording shit at and uh, tell me how much it costs and shit and get back at me. So, man, I ran home and I remembered. Ran home. Ran home. <laughs> yeah. Full speed. <laughs> Went home, and I remember my homeboy, uh, Zero Lark. Shout out to my nigga Zero Lark, Andre Gibson. He used to have, he used to have a 6 four that looked just like the one in Boys in the Hood. The same tan with the mm -hmm. gold ones on the shit. So he used to always come through bumping his own shit. So one day he came through, and I flagged him down like, hey, 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 check this out, homie. Where you re where do you be recording your shit at? He said, oh, my... Um, I be going to Frisco. My homegirl, Rochelle, hooked me up with my uh, dude out in Frisco, Nate Banks in the Bank Road studio. Yep. 
So he's like, uh, I'm like, bruh, I need that number. He just jumped in the car, we took him to the house, got the business card. I went home, called, and uh, I talked to, I think I talked to Nate. I didn't talk to, I didn't meet TC until I got there. And I heard TC tell a little bit of his story too. Um, so I called, I talked to Nate. I asked him how much y'all charge an hour. He said $30 an hour. I was like, he was asked how many, he asked me how many hours I need. I was like, shit, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, he was like, well, yeah, $30 an hour, yada, 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 boom, 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 gave me the address and all that. So I was like, cool, bam. I wrote all that shit down. I ran down, ran around, back around the Mike D house, and, and I gave him all the information. He's like, okay, okay. He, he, he thought about it, rubbed his chin for a minute, like, okay. He had a little white Torcel, Toyota Torcel. That shit looked dusty as fuck. <laughs> On flat tires, had weeds growing around everything. That motherfucker popped the trunk and gave me an old brown cheeseburger bag. Like, you know, a, brown, a bag you get from a fast food restaurant. Greasy, yeah, greasy yeah, shit. Yeah. Here, take that to the house. Count that up and see what you can do with that. They got to take that shit up under my shirt and ran yeah. back to the house. Ran to my room, dumped that shit out on the bed. Count out, it was like $5,800 in like 20s, 10s, and 5s. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's tight. So I counted that shit out. I called T. I called uh, Bankroll Studio back, and I went down. I said, "I'm on. I'm coming down there." At that time, Ten had moved away. He wasn't even. He had moved away with his with his um, with his other peoples. So it was me and Doc Louis. My okay. homie, shout out on shout out to my nigga Doc Louis. We was rapping together at that time, and um, that was part of the reason why the talent show got shot up because Doc Louis was from the village. I was from Midtown, and at that time, it was kind of funking. And motherfuckers that warned us not to, to stop doing music with each other. You know what I'm mm. saying? You need to stop having that nigga come Even over. all the way back then. That, Even all the way the back then. Was right. Place. This is like late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. Like 88, 89, going into 90. Mm. Um, and motherfuckers are like, nigga, you better stop doing music with that other side ass nigga. You, that nigga, we see that nigga over here. Cause you know, he used to come by, we used to practice our shit, writing shit. And right. Niggas depressing me, be me mugging him and shit. And I used to right, walk right. to the car like, damn. Right. And yeah, um, it got funky. Um, so, we went down there. Me and Doc Louie jumped in the car. We smiled down there to Bank Road Studio. Um, we got there. We walked in. Um, the, when we got there, the door was locked. So we was kind of like banging on the door. And motherfucker came and answered the door and locked the door. And when we, walk, when we first walked in, I didn't recognize who the nigga was that opened the door until he said something. He's like, hey, T, add, uh, 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 East Palo Alto youngsters here. It was cool, man. <laughs> that was a pretty good impression. <laughs> so I was like, "Oh shit, cool, now, right?" He was like, "Yeah, what's up, homie?" You know, you're already me. familiar with. I would already been listening to his shit. Out. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. Even EPA oh, was yeah, making waves. My home, my big homie G. Shout out to my big homie G. Used to have a big ass Radio Raheem boombox. Mm. And my house used to, my neighborhood, my street used to be the spot, the dope spot. He used to stand in front of my neighbor's yard and lean on their car with his big ass boombox bump cook well bump music. Yeah. And one day he was out there bumping cook nut, that scandalous shit. And I went out there like, damn, bro, what the fuck is that? He was like, oh, that's a cook nut out of Frisco, IMP. That shit scandalous. That shit go hard. He let me dub the tape and everything. Mm. So fast forward it. So when I heard that voice, I automatically knew, oh shit, nigga, you cook nut. Yeah. IMP. He was like, yeah, hey, what's up, homie? And uh he was like, uh, I was like, I'm here to, you know, I, I'm trying to book some studio time. Is Nate here? He introduced me to Nate. 
And they was like, yeah. He, we sat down, hollered, chopped for a minute. He was like, here, let me introduce you to the engineer and shit. So he took me in the back, and I met TC. TC was back there working on some shit. Walked in. I braided Nate out, got a little receipt, little invoice, little uh, invoice of shit. Fold that shit, put in my pocket. Introduced me to TC, showed me the studio shit. Me and TC dapped up and shit, and he was like, you know, we was ready to go. It was on. It was on and cracking. Yeah. So can't. I don't know if you, you want to throw something in there. Nah, keep going, no. man. So, uh, well, actually, real quick, um, were you, were you already like back and forth like in Frisco or? Was it just kind of like, damn, we about to go to Frisco? To nah, yeah. It was just, yeah. I mean, we went to, I used to go to Giants games and. Yeah, because Bankroll Studios like, is in Lakeview. games and shit. That's, that, it was on Holloway. Yeah, that shit was in Lakeview. So it's not like you're I'm on the main familiar street. With it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's I wasn't familiar different. with it, yeah. yeah. Um, but he was, on, he was like, fuck it, that's where the studio's at. That's, that's where we're going to go. Yeah, that's where we going, mm -hmm. you know? And it's the same studio that Kugna do his shit at. Right. So, oh, so, you already knew that from, from the gate? Yeah. Okay. Well, I didn't. I, I learned that later. Uh, when you got there? Right. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. Right before I got there, well, I put it together when I was going there. Because, I, like I said, G used to let me hear the Kugna album or that Kugna uh, the tape. tape they had. Yeah. And it had the information on the back. Got it, got it. So later when he gave me the business card, I thought back to like, oh, shit. Put two and two together. That's the same spot where Kugna do yeah, his yeah, shit at. Yeah. Right, right. So right. that's a good look. You're like, oh, hell yeah. I'm we already with a motherfucker yeah. with a known motherfucker. Right, yeah. right, we could, right. We were able to, yeah, that'll give us a boost. Right. So um, came back, and uh, I had a few little ideas of shit. Um, it used to be a dude. They used to sell uh, like a series jam tapes. Used to have all the old school hits on it and shit. I bought one of them. He had like a couple little beats. I wanted to flip on there. I think he had like a, I think the first, the first um, song that we did, or the first song, yeah, the first song that we produced was a James Brown beat called uh, I forgot the name of I forgot the name of the James Brown song, but T flipped that. And we had a song called Two Stokes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that shit was slapping too. I ain't gonna lie. That was a little jam too. And uh, once we put that shit together and took it back to the hood and got a good response to it, it was on. And know? that was you and your boy? That was uh, me and Doc Lou. Doc Lou. Yeah. We had, yeah, we had a song called Giving a Fool. Wait, was it? No, that wasn't Giving a Fool. Fall. Two Stogs. That's a trip. So you literally bought like an old school, a, a compilation of old school music on a tape. Yeah. Brought that to TC. Yeah. And told him which ones you wanted to flip. Yeah. He just flipped it up right flipped there. Flipped it right there. Yeah. That's a pretty cool process. In my face. Yeah. Ask yeah. me, you like this? Each town he did, you like that? Yeah. What you think about that? And he, he kind of, not only did TC produce for us, he helped us. He, 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 um, he, uh, Coached you. Coached us, yeah. yeah. He explained shit to us. Well, people don't understand that's really what a producer is supposed to do. Right. He's that's supposed really explain, producing. He's supposed to that's explain that Quincy Jones type of producing. Right. Of, people think it just means beat maker. Now. Right. Producing is really working get with you, Get us on the same level. Yeah. To where we bouncing off each other. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, and that's sure. what he did. And he had that experience already just yeah. from the people he was working with, like yeah. Kugnut and all them. Right, he had already been seasoned, yeah, fucking with Kugnut and a couple yeah. other dudes that he was fucking with before us. We had no experience at all. Yeah. You know but did, did you did you get the sense that he believed in y'all, like he saw the potential, he saw the talent? Yeah. Or was he just like, all right, let's see how this goes? Or when Y'all be... vibed. I think we vibed immediately. Yeah. Because we, you know, the day when I, the day that I came and met Kugnet, I just stayed and we just chilled and just drank and just got to know each other. Mm. So when I came back, we was kind of familiar with each other. You know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. And then um, I think um, so. 
me and Doc Louie did a couple of songs, and then Doc Louie got into some trouble with the police. He had to he had to be out. He went back to Texas. So it was a point in time where I was kind of stuck, like, damn, what the fuck I'm going to do now? And then Mac came back, you know what I'm saying? And then um, me and Mac started fucking around. And then uh, one of our homegirls from the neighborhood called Treese, MC, named Treese, MC Silk, shout out to Silk. She was rapping. She was ripping bitches' heads off around the neighborhood, around the town and shit. She was like, oh, yeah, we need to go. We should, she did a talent show one night and ripped that bitch. Mm. She had a song called Lucy where she was just like on some Lil' Kim type shit, just going crazy. She was like, yeah, we need to go get her. So we got her and um, Zero, of course, because he had the, he had the, you know what I'm saying, he had the hookup, so we threw him in the group, too, so we was going up there recording shit. And it was going cool. We was making some cool songs and shit. And then first step, first thing that happened was, we were supposed to be on our way to the studio. We had already had a session booked. We was running late. This nigga had, took his whole car apart and had the car laying out in the yard. <laughs> so I'm over there at this house waiting, and Mike keep blowing my page up like, bro, what's up? Y'all on your way to the lab? I'm like, man, this nigga car is all over spread on the yard, man. We ain't finna go nowhere. He's like, bro, put that nigga on the phone. So they said whatever they said. And Mike's like, man, I'm on my way. To, I'm, I'm, I'm fin- I'm, man, y'all gonna take the uh, bucket up there, bro. I'll be there in a minute. So he came, gave us the bucket. Him and uh, him and Lark exchanged a few words, and next thing I knew, Lark was out the group. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's it. He's putting up the money. So right, right. Hey, something. we didn't know. Hey, we couldn't say shit. Yeah. And he was Mike D, so we wasn't really, really gonna wasn't gonna say nothing. Was he? Was he older? A little bit older than yeah, you? He was a couple years older than. Oh shit! Actually, he was like five, six years older than us. Yeah. But like I said, he the neighborhood man. He the he the man, man. You know. So a lot of stories in hip hop. That start with somebody like Mike D. Right. Somebody that's in the cuss, that's got the paper with whatever means right. they get it from. Right. An investor. Don't, and, because uh, those are the neighborhood heroes. Those are yeah. the dudes that hand out turkeys and bikes right. and backpacks to the neighborhood. Right. And those are the dudes that keep the neighborhood alive. Right, and right. Keep, people, keep uh, the dopings from crawling your grandmama's window and all that type of shit. Right. Those are those type of dudes. Do you think that he was seeing music? as a possibility for him to get into other things. And Definitely. that's why he was taking it seriously. Like, Definitely. We, we, used to, we used to have talks about it. He saw the vision. He saw what was coming. Yeah. He knew it was coming. He was like, man, you know, we need our own record label. We need we need our own shit. We need to own our shit. We need our, you know what I'm saying? He was seeing it. Yeah. And he was telling it to us, and we was soaking it up like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And when he passed, it was like, like, damn, you know, like, yeah. This shit could be over. Yeah. This could be it, you know. Um, before we get into that, too, because I definitely want... I want See, this this platform is all about giving people their respect. So someone like a Mike D, who people might not be too familiar with, I right. want to make sure that we can keep his name lit. Yes. But it's interesting, because I talk a lot about the Bay Area independent hustle, and a lot of it comes from street hustle. Yeah. And that same mentality yeah. of, of taking something... Flipping it, yeah. getting some more, yeah. flipping that, and just that that entrepreneurship. But when you don't have the opportunities to go into like a legit business, right? For someone with a brain like that, right? Music and flipping tapes, right? The same way you flip product, right? That's that creates that opportunity, right? And I mean, who's better in a situation like that than a neighborhood hustler? They yeah. know how to flip packs, yeah, yeah, to, yeah. And, and it can get real and... cutthroat about the business right. and, and make sure right. things go the way they're right. supposed to go, right? A lot of people look at Suge Knight as a I don't know what they look at him as a villain, as a whatever, but that motherfucker changed the game. Yeah. Before he came, motherfuckers was getting fucked out their bread with right. no Vaseline. You're right. Ice Cube, yeah, no Vaseline. Yeah, facts, facts. That was just a few years before that. Right. 
And Suge Knight came and made sure he put a different attitude in the game yeah. to where they was kind of like more hesitant, like, oh. Yeah, you're not about to play with this. Right, you about yeah. to give us our bread yeah. for show. Yeah. And that helped Puffy and Jay-Z and them get rich where they wasn't playing with their money no right. more. Right, but right, the cast right. before them, the, the Big Daddy Canes and the Rock Hems used to have to Ice cubes, you'd have to go into the motherfucking uh, building and break shit up to get yeah, his check. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Slick Rick shooting Slick up, Rick the, shooting shooting up, up the motherfucking Def Jam, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and there's many stories like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So at this time, um, were y'all totally insane yet? No, we no. wasn't even totally insane yet. Okay. We didn't become totally insane till Treacy left the group. Okay. Because eventually, um, Treese left the group. And it was the two of y'all. And it was the two of us. And that's when... It was that's when it was getting that's when it got serious. Yeah. That's when it was like and before we were just kinda trying to find the sound, trying to find, you know, a lane. And then once it was just me and Mac, we looked at it like, nigga, fuck this. It's it's nigga, it's it's it's, it's now or never. Yeah. You know. <clears throat> and Mike D was really into it. Really Mike D was like really serious about it. Like, nigga, fuck that. We ain't bullshit no more, nigga. We finna go hard. So he believed in the two of y'all. He believed in the as two the of group. Us. Yes. How did you come up with the name Totally Insane? Um, we had recorded a few songs, and the songs was, was, was slappers. And we was like, T, we just we're doing, do, sitting there doing a session. And T stopped the session like, wait a minute, bro. Y'all niggas ain't even got a name of a group yet. Y'all niggas making songs. Nigga, what, what would we put this out under? Like, you know what I'm saying? And we was like, me and Mac looked at each other like, damn, that's real. We ain't even got a... You know, we ain't even got a name of the group yet. Um, we had came up with some shit. Uh, I forgot some of the names. Uh, oh, one of them was NGC, Niggas Going Crazy. <laughs> we was like, nah, that's too much like NWA. Right. That's biting. And then I, I forgot what the other one was. And then T said, y'all need something that represent the town. Because, you know, y'all niggas, y'all East Palo Alto niggas is totally insane. It was like, bow, damn. There it is, that right easy. there. Yeah. So TC came up with the name, man. And another thing, I mean, when I when I look at like the old school press photos of the group, like TC is in the picture. Yes. He's on some of the album covers. Yes. And I asked him about this. I just want to get your your perspective and just for the record that TC pretty much is totally insane. Yes. He's a member he's, of he's the a group. member of the group. Um, what happened was um, during that time when we start, we had made an album called uh, Crazy Shit. And um, uh, we, we finished the album and everything. Uh, we got the album cover. You know, took the pictures for the album cover. And we was just about to put it in the press. And then Mike Washington got murdered mm. out in Oakland. Um, he uh, was out there visiting a the chick. I guess her ex-boyfriend or something got out of the joint. You know, he flamboyant. He in there, up there in the drop lark with the gold ones on it. The dude walk up to the car, ask him for a pen. He reached over to the glove compartment to get a pen and do shoot him in the back like a fucking coward. Damn. And uh, Mike smashed off with the homie was in the back sleep. It was like 2 o'clock in the morning. The homie was in the back sleep, and uh, Mike was smashing down the street trying to trying to get up out of there and uh, wrecked the car and lost consciousness. And the homie slid him over it, rushed him to the hospital, and he passed later on that night. Wow. Um, rest in peace, Mike D, man. Rest in peace, Michael Washington, man. Um, so after that, so... Um, after the funeral, we approached his brother. His brother was Chris Watson. Rest in peace to Chris Watson. He passed away too. Um, everybody pretty much speculated that he was going to inherit Mike's shit, basically. 
Um, so we got him like, hey, bro, you know, we got the album done, yada, 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 yada. He was like, well, you know, y'all shit cool, man. But, you know, I think right now at this time, I'm going to put, I think we need, I'm going to focus more on Black Dynasty because they got that Afrocentric, the public enemy type vibe, the hmm. yada, yada. I think that'll be more, uh, you know, that'll, that'll, that'll go further than, you know, saying then, you know, y'all y'all niggas cool and shit. You know, y'all y'all got some tight ass hood shit and all that. But you know, this some global type shit. We just like, just like, <laughs> what, nigga? What, nigga? So that 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 was it. Uh, we scrapped the whole album. It, that shit was, you know, Mike D dreams over with, basically. Yeah. Um, I'm. It, we had knew another homie that had bread like that. That was, you know, kind of like the next up in Mike D spot. My nigga Manny the Black, and uh, we got at him with the vision. He had already he was following what we was doing because him and Mike D was real close, so he knew what we was doing. Right, right, and right. He was like, nigga, fuck it. Yeah, what I want to do. Yeah, and uh, I think that's during all that we was going through that, and TC was seeing all that, and he was witnessing that, and that just made us closer. It was like, damn, this shit is crazy. Yeah. Know? It was like, yeah, this shit is crazy. And he was real good friends with Mike, and he knew the whole situation. And we had been, at that point, we had already been doing music for like two or three years with each other before Direct from the Backstreet even came out. Yeah. We was already doing music with Hip T for like two, three years at that point. And uh, he just come down and to the, to the hood barbecues and met our families and knew our moms. He just became a part of the family. He was like, nigga, fuck it, I'm in the group. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, nigga, we wasn't gonna say no, nigga. Yeah, yeah, yeah you yeah. in the group, That's nigga. A good look. Because this was before we came before RBL and all the rest of them. Atlanta sure. Five. We was the, yeah. one of the first ones. Yeah. Well, Kugno was before IMP. us. And then us. And then y'all, yeah, yeah. yeah. As far as the groups. TC umbrella. Oh, uh, right. Yeah. Groups that TC was that working TC with. That TC was working with. Yeah. It was Kugno and then was Oh, maybe Huey MC was before us. Right. Yeah, EMC was before. Right, us. right, right, yeah. right, 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 right. And us, so we was third, and we wasn't even from Frisco. We from East yeah, Palo. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, and I mean, that's, it was just love. It's just it's love. It's just yeah. yeah. Y'all was vibing and yeah, connecting, right. and the music's all feeding off right. each other, and it's a whole Bay Area yeah. thing going right. on at the same we feeding time. Feeding off, we yeah, we was under one mind. It was like we get in the studio, and we knew. Yeah, me and Mac was completing each other's sentences, and he knew the proper tracks and the drums and the perfect bass line and everything. Yeah, for each individual. If you listen to a Totally Insane album, we're a little different than average groups because on each album is always solo songs. Yeah. I feel like on that first one, there's a few of them, right? Yeah, but in each album, all yeah, the albums, we all have solo songs. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's, it's just because TC will feel something for me. Like, nigga, hold on. I got one for you, Ad. Yeah. And it, it'll be me. Right. You know what I'm saying? Or, Mac, I got one for you, nigga. Right, right, and it'll right. it'll be him. Right. And we would just, he was bringing that, bringing that out in us like, you know, that's tight. Yeah. And that's a lot to, <clears throat> people don't understand, like, that's a lot to go through as a, as a group. Yeah. You're losing members of the group. Yeah. Uh, uh, your your, your uh, financier, your friend yeah. gets killed. Yeah. Uh, your album gets shelved. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of people that would have just said, fuck it. Said, fuck it. Yeah. yeah. But I think, like, when you're able to push through something like that, that's when you get rewarded even more. Yeah. And I guess that's when y'all started working on um, direct, direct from the, the backstreets. Back it was like a we went there, <laughs> we went there like the you know <laughs> we went to the studio after that shit with the Rocky music playing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like it's now or never, nigga. Yeah. Fuck that. And 
We were seasoned. We was at that point. We were seasoned. We we, are, we knew what to do. We was right, ready to go. Right, right. Just let's just run it back. Right. We won the Super Bowl, nigga. Let's run it back. How long did it take y'all to record that album? Two weeks. Two weeks. Seven days to produce the tracks. Seven days to lay the lyrics, and four days to mix it. Five days to mix it. And thirty years later, we're still talking about it. We stood up. We stayed up all night mixing that motherfucker. That's some shit. All week mixing that motherfucker. Um, Just left to get food. Change clothes, shower, and right back. What was the plan with that album? Was was uh, were you already um, linked up in a minute? Not yet, not yet. Um, Manny the Black had stepped in and was financing it after Mike. We were just basically just gonna finish. We was gonna um, take the same steps we was gonna do with Mike D. We had already um, we had already we knew where to press it up at, and um, we had just we had. Uh, we had been to talk with music people. You know, Intermittent and Music People is the same company, but two different companies. Music People is the distribution side, and Intermittent Record is the record label. Label, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't really remember. TC probably can remember a little better how we even got affiliated with Jason, how, how we even uh, met music people. I don't really remember that part. But what happened was we pressed up the direct from the Backstreet CDs, and uh, first we was just doing them by consignment. We was going to record store to record store, putting them on consignment. And then, like I said, I don't remember exactly how we got Music People's number. When we got it, we called them, and we started doing business with them. And what happened was they was able to just put our shit directly into the music, to the record store yeah. without us yeah, yeah. going through the politics. They were just mm-hmm. able to ship You're it out. Catalog already. Catalog yeah. already, right. And um, we started doing that. Um we ran through, I think the first time we pressed up like 5,000 takes, 5,000 CDs. We, we ran through that quickly. Um, pressed more. The second one was like 75, 75. Ran through that quickly. So now we like, shit, 30,000 units in, getting seven, $6.75 a CD. It's not bad. <laughs> not bad at all. <laughs> <laughs> we looking a little better. We got whips. We, you know what I'm saying? The shit is paying off. Yeah. And, uh, but what happened was it was moving so fast we couldn't keep up with the demand. Back then it took like two or three weeks to press CDs up. Yeah, if you're if you're off the shelf and someone comes in the store looking for you, that's, that's yeah, not a that's good thing. That's bad. Look. That's yeah. a sale you're gonna yeah. lose. So um yeah. Uh we had ran through about thirty thousand units and, and um Jason was like, look, man, check this out. Um I could help y'all with y'all manufacturing problem. And he presented us with the deal, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I'm saying? If you sign with us, we'll manufacture your shit, we'll promote your shit, we'll yada, 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 and the whole shit. And, um, but real quick, before that, were you, were you? how was the word spreading? Was it just being there, being in the stores? Or yeah, it was it? just word of mouth, motherfuckers on the street. What we was doing was we was going from city to city, and we was going to the hood. Yeah. And we'd roll up on a motherfucker, we're beating the shit. If you sitting there bumping, we'd roll up on, hey, excuse me, homie, try this out, and... Just doing that. See, people don't understand the work that you got to put in, it's man. It's work, man. We've been from city to city, bro. Yeah. From hood to hood. That's the Bay Area way right there. I know yeah. Short did that. I Not know Forty did that. I know all the real ones did that. People just look back and they see the numbers and they see the history and they yeah. see, they don't see the hard work that yeah. goes into it. And a lot of people, especially in this social media age, they don't understand the fact about actually connecting with people. Right. Going out 
and actually wiggling and shaking hands and kissing babies and introducing yourself and carrying yourself. Because yeah. you can't just be anybody and go to different right. hoods and different cities. Not at you all. gotta know how to Not conduct yourself and how to move yeah. and how to talk to people. We never win nothing flashy, something cool. Yeah. Nothing raggedy, but nothing with no gold ones or nothing on, just something look nice. Yeah. We always jump out very polite, like, hey, homie, I got a CD for you. Check yeah. this out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that it what happened was that um it grew a fan base for us. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It starts spreading. And and the fact that there's a demand for it because it's not like today where there's a million rappers right. flooding the right. area. Like if you had a tape, it's like, oh, all right. Right. You, you, that's you. Right. Have your face on a CD or a tape was a big deal. Right. Like, Damn, Damn, you did this. Yeah, that's like, you. Yeah, yeah, I will check you out. You right. know what I'm saying? Yeah. So in a minute came in and then signed y'all and then were they able to Push it even harder. Oh yeah, push it harder. Huh. It was it was on after that. Yeah. The floodgates was open after that. Did y'all hit Billboard? Yeah, we was on Billboard. Uh, we had hit Direct from the Backstreet hit twenty six on Billboard at one time. At one point, was it twenty six? Yep. Yeah. I don't think people understand how big that is for independent. And I didn't even say number one. You see, I didn't say number one. Yeah, I'm yeah, happy yeah. with 26. No, it's, but that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. 26 is big yeah, yeah, for yeah. independent. Yeah. You're going up against Universal and yeah. Sony and, and so many. Yeah. Yeah. Damn, that's dope. So, um, how did your lives change after that? Were, were you were you just blowing up and, and feeling yeah. the success? It was it was weird because at that time, we, you know, we didn't have no videos or nothing, and motherfuckers yeah. knew who we was. Motherfuckers knew us. Motherfuckers You're right there on the team. Yeah. I mean, that's an iconic um, photo, too. Yeah. Y'all look gangster back there. You look like some <laughs> gangster country boys, like, yeah. oh, the back streets. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> who, who took those photos, man? Uh, Manny the Black. Oh, yeah. With a fucking regular ass <laughs> Kodak, or whatever what? the hell kind of camera was, Canon, or whatever the hell was what? back then. She said, all right, come on, we're going to develop the Mars cover today. And, wow. Yeah. See, that's another thing, man. Yeah. People don't understand, like, how yeah. hands on you got to be to yeah, make yeah. this stuff happen. That was with a regular camera. You know, it's a tweak. Is, uh, I, was, I had the, uh, the first Bone Thugs album. Um, um, creeping on the come up. Yeah, I, I read the credits. The photos was taken by Easy E. Damn, that's that's iconic for <laughs> yeah. itself. It's yeah. probably but it's the same tweak. Yeah. Like, man, why do I gotta get a photographer? Fuck come on, let's go knock yeah. this out. Yeah, that's tight. Yeah. Um, and at the same time too, um, I noticed. I, I'm sure this is through TC. Like, and this is another good thing about him working with y'all, pushing y'all. You appeared on IMP's album. Yes. You appeared on Dre Dog's album, yes. and you appeared on RBL's album. Yeah. How how were those connections being made? Well, okay. So once we start working on Direct from the Back Streets, um, used to be two dark-skinned cats used to be at all the sessions just chilling, smoking, and just kind of like hanging out, just peeping game, and come to come later to kind of realize it was Black Sea and Mr. C. Mm-hmm. Um, they should just hang out at TC House, and they was fucking with the music, so they used to come and, you know what I'm saying, uh, just come listen to what T was working with. And they had heard some of the shit that we had done, and they used to like to come just hear what we was coming with. You know, they just liked our shit. And uh, we got real cool, you know. We, we became friends, became buddies. And once they started working on their album, um, they was kind of like, shit, nigga, let's get one. Tight. And TC came with that fucking beat, and it was just like automatic, bro. I think we recorded that motherfucking, like, Everybody damn near one take Jake that shit. Yeah, sounds kind of sounds like it. Yeah. Sounds like a cypher. Yeah, we just kind of just went. Yeah. yeah, it was just kind of like with nigga. Very hip hop too. Yeah. With that um, yeah, the Steve Miller band sample yeah. and the scratches. On and that, there. that and that was his idea. He just wanted to come with a something that just TC. You know, yeah, yeah. It was his basically idea to just come with you know a show rocker, a, a anthem, or something that you know. 
Yeah. And on the IMP one, you're you're on there with I think C Fresh. It's us RBL. RBL two. C Fresh. Two point two. I think Dre Dog on there. I think two point two. I don't think okay. Dre Dog's on 2. there. Two point two on there. Yeah. Cool Night, of course, C Fresh. Yeah. 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 Was that a, like a good look? Like damn, we shit, were just yeah. listening to these guys. Now Fuck yeah, on man. Record. That shit felt great. Yeah. But at this point, we we had already had a relationship with Kugner. We was doing shows together. We was doing, you know what I'm saying? We was always together. Was he that was, after uh, your album came out? can't remember. Yeah, that was after. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was that. that was so after. IMP just had these tapes and these singles, and yeah. then they were working on... Well, they had the uh, the Scandalous tape first, I believe. Yeah, and then like I'm Rolling. And, and then they uh, came with that EP with I'm Gangsta Rolling. Rock and, and Roll. Right. Yeah. And then what happened was once we got started a relationship with Intermittent Records... Intermittent Records was was ready to sign whoever TC was fucking with. Wow. Whoever TC brought you, you, nigga, Were y'all the first ones? To we were the first wow. ones, yeah. And then after us, RBL came. And once RBL came, Dre Dog came. And then... IMP. No, no, I'll take that back. RBL came after us. IMP came after uh, Dre, uh, RBL. But, I, but you know, Kugno was already a legend at that time. Yeah. He was already on. That just... just just gave him an extra little... So it's a good look. You're, you're all fucking with the same label. You're Ross. all fucking with the same producer. You're all from the same... The West Bay, right. basically. You're all from the same camp. Yeah. So that just naturally started the collaborations. How did you... How was it... Um, how did you end up meeting Dredog? Um Through TC. Okay. Uh, we was at the lab, and TC had been talking about it. Yeah, I got uh, my homie from Fillmore coming through Dredog. He finna start working on some shit. And he was just telling some of his ideas. He the new Jim Jones and the... The whole shit. We like, damn, okay. <laughs> I don't think Bone Thugs wasn't even out then yet. Yeah. So we wasn't even was Brother Lynch. Brother Lynch wasn't even out yet. So we don't. I don't know. It was that was going to be some new shit. Like, okay, he kind of like on some some Jim Jones type shit. Okay. And when he came, the first song he did was Smoke Dope and Rap, and I, I knew I was like, damn, that nigga hard. You were around when he yeah they we were did, making we was that. there when he recorded that oh, okay. smoked over so chewy like a motherfucking nut. Yeah, yeah. I was at the studio when he recorded that. I was there when they did Bammer Weed. Wow. I was there when TC was fucking me. I, I seen him. He was explaining on y'all show how he's doing it. I came one day. We had a session. and He was in there fucking with it. He was putting the samples together, and he just kept. He was trying to get something right, and he just kept playing it. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck you yeah, finna do with that? Yeah, such a crazy sample. Yeah. Yeah. But once he put it together and put the drums and shit in, I was like, oh, man, that yeah. shit is finna be incredible. Yeah, it's just amazing. He was like, oh, that's for Chris, and then that's for Chris and Kyle, and then I was like, oh, shit, that shit finna be crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's dope, though, just to look back on it and, um, like, that, that oh. synergy y'all had. I was in the lab when they recorded Remind Me. Oh, okay. that's yeah, 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 yeah. That shit was a trip because, okay, Black Sea did his part first, and he had the, the, um, I forgot what beat that was. The Patrice Russian. Yeah, the Remind mm -hmm. Me beat. So he telling the story, right? Or it was it Mr. I think C? That's Mr. C. On Mr. C. First part. Start off, he telling and then the story. Then it switches into the uh, it was a shock. Sweet Con. thing. Yeah, yeah. I was like, damn, that shit is finna fuck him up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The way they put that together, the concept of that. That shit was dope. I was like, man, y'all finna fuck him up with that. It's it's just cool, like, because it's 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 Bay Area, but it's very hip hop. Yeah. In definitely. terms of the sample flipping, well, I mean, the we, rap style. We all influence, you know, whether you want to admit it or not, we all are influenced by New York niggas because yeah, yeah. that's where it came that's from. Where it started, yeah. Right. So we took those patterns and then start then the LA niggas came and then, you know what I'm saying, then the Bay Area kind of caught on and we we just implemented our own shit into it. And, and speaking of New York, but it's still the it's still the blueprint. New yeah, York yeah. is still the blueprint. Yeah, yeah. We just kind of implemented, put own, our own, own twist shit to in. it. Right. 
like speaking of that, um, you flipped the Isley Brothers sample between the sheets. Yeah, before Biggie. Yes, before because uh, I think Common Common did it too. And yes, still Common Sense and Dre Dog and Dre Dog. But y'all yeah. y'all were first we were the on first that. ones, I, I believe. Very interesting. I believe. Um, and that's one of our that's shit one of our biggest songs to date. Yeah, I don't even trip. Yeah, people. That's, that's the one where you're telling the story about the, about talent, the talent show and all that. And my hair started growing. Yeah, and people say I look like a Samoan. Even the guy, <laughs> even though G Woody, shout out to Woody, rest in peace, Woody. Yeah, rest he in peace. Yeah, that. yeah, he sampled yeah. you on on yeah. his song on his debut album. That was yeah. an honor. Like rest damn, in peace, Woody. Yeah, Good looking. Yeah, well, that just lets you know how far the yeah. music is reaching. Yeah.